nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Mad Overmind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And today, I have my man, keto expert, Ben Azadi, author of four best-selling books. Four. It's hard enough to get one best-selling book. I'm talking about four, <laughs> right? Keto Flex, The Perfect Health Booklet, The Intimate Fasting Cheat Sheet, and The Power of Sleep. Go ahead and check them out already. Let me tell you, best-selling books. This man knows his stuff, and we're going to get into all things keto today. So if you're interested in learning about ketosis, how it can benefit you, and if you just if you've been in ketosis, but you think that you need to learn, just stick through for this episode because he's gonna drop some knowledge on you and on me. And the other stuff you may need to learn that I haven't even mentioned either. So just stick around anyway. And with that being said, let's welcome my man, Ben, to the show. Hey Ben, how you doing? Zico, I am uh, excited to geek out with you and talk all things ketosis and more. I have a question for you right off the bat. I know you're the person that's interviewing me, but your podcast, it's called um, Matter Over Mind. And what, is, what does that mean? I always heard mind over matter. So please share with me, what does that mean? Oh, definitely, definitely. It's actually an interesting thing that I, reason why I did that, because people think I'm kind of going one way or the other. Like I'm saying, oh, forget about the mind. It's all about the body. That's not even what I'm saying. But this came to me because there was initially, initially the show was called the Zika Health Show. And people like that name. It was a good name. But I was interviewing someone the other day. Not the other day. It was a while ago. And uh, he mentioned that there are people who say, you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to work out and I'm going to lose weight. And then they give up in a week or they give up in two weeks. They try to motivate themselves to lose weight or try to motivate themselves to become healthy. But mm-hmm. then, then, then they stop and say, I have a willpower issue. I just, you know, I just can't do it. I don't know why it's really hard. What people are missing is that it's not just you have a willpower issue. You have a physical issue. Mm. If you're, if you have a poor gut environment where you have bacteria that's craving unhealthy foods, some people, if they just by moving, they create inflammatory cytokines and they have a hard time working out you're not going to have that motivation. Now, this is what I've, and I'll show you've seen this before. Anytime people start to make small physical changes, that could be sleeping better. That could be getting seed oils out of your diet. That could be going for a walk. And you start feeling better, you start doing other things. So the whole idea of the matter of my experience is not to say that the, the mind doesn't matter. Of course it does, right? We know that. You and I, we, I'm sure you meditate, I meditate, we have our morning routines, and we, we do these things, right? But we got there by start making small changes in our lives that's making more physical changes that led to bigger changes to get us to where we are today. 
So that's the idea behind the name of the show. Yeah, it makes sense. I love that breakdown of it. And and you're right. It's those small, small little tweaks. I always say small tweaks lead to giant peaks. And I'm all for having big goals, whether it's like health or business, whatever it is. But the approach, like you said, of like go big or go home, it doesn't last a very long time. So you might be motivated, but motivation is very short lived. Uh, and I really believe there's a, a difference between motivation and inspiration. Motivation is external. And you might need to do that every single day for the rest of your life to do the things you want to do. But inspiration comes from within. And when you get momentum, like you said, you start getting some small wins and you start getting clear on your why, then you're 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 inspired from within versus needing something external to motivate you. Uh, so I love that explanation. Good job. Especially my man. One more thing I'm going to say on that too is an example I tend to give people is if I overeat sugars the night before, my mind is foggy the next day. I have, I, and that's the, so that's why I, I, I explained the importance of understanding where making small changes by keeping my blood sugar steady helps me to think clearer instead of trying to eat like crap and then try to motivate myself to do better. Like my asthma didn't, I didn't put my asthma in remission, in remission by hoping that it went away. I did that by making physical changes. So that's the idea behind that, buddy. I get it. I get it. And with that being said, now it's your turn, Ben, to put me on the spot over here. Tell my audience about yourself. Yeah, Zico. So um, my name is Ben Azadi, like you mentioned. My company is called Keto Camp, Camp with the K. And no, I am not your regular keto educator, meaning I think keto is fantastic when you do it the right way. It's such a great tool. However, we're not dogmatic about keto at all. We're about health over dogma, and we teach keto flexing, which is the name of my book, meaning using it as a tool to achieve metabolic flexibility to go in and out of ketosis. We don't really believe in long-term ketosis, but we do love keto the right way. So Keto Camp is the company. We have the Keto Camp podcast. I'm going to interview you actually tomorrow for the Keto Camp podcast. We have these uh, social media platforms, the four books. The The mission is, is this, as you know, Zico, and you speak about this, we have a lot of people that are sick in this world, not just in America. They're sick. They are tiptoeing their way through life, hoping to land safely on death's door. Instead of living 70 years, they live the same year 70 times. They're unhealthy. They're unhappy. They're looking for shortcuts and band-aids, and they're treating their health casually. And if if you treat your health casually, you end up a casualty and a statistic, and we don't want that for the world. So the mission is to wake up 1 billion people, that is the mission of Keto Camp, to inspire and to educate and to wake up 1 billion people and and teach them, hey, you know, God created your body really magnificently um, because he built your body to be a self-healing mechanism. And as long as you remove the interference, it'll heal itself. There's no pill, surgery, doctor, or supplement that could replace the healing capabilities of your innate intelligence. So we want to educate on that. And that's why I'm here with you. And that's why we are all over social media to get that message out to at least 1 billion people on planet earth. I love it. I love it. And that's what I'm talking about, man, like making the, the small changes, because as you start to do that, you start to feel better magical things start to happen. You start to have energy and life just feels better. Like you, there's this cartoon that I watch uh, called Big City Greens. I talk about cartoons all the time because apparently I'm a (laughs) 10 year old. And this one kid, 
Well, his family, there's a like a burger clown moved across the street and the kid was like so excited, right? He's like, burger clown, burger clown. So he's like, I'm gonna eat burger clown every day. He's like, lettuce, that's a vegetable and tomatoes. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's practically a balanced meal. Like he has everything, right? With, you I mean, justify can, anything, can you? <laughs> I guess it depends on how you look at it. He could yeah. be right, right? But he, uh, he ate every day and he gained a lot of weight, he and his sister. Like, and they kind of exaggerated because like a week later, he was like three times bigger. But his sister was like, we started eating vegetables again. And then she said, hmm, it's like, I, 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 I have these heightened senses. And her dad is like, yeah, that's your senses returning to normal. And that's what I'm talking about. Like when just making small changes by not eating burger clown every day, in our case, it would be burger king McDonald's or whatever, and eating healthy meals your senses return to normal would feel like superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. You're right. You're right. Because we've been so desensitized and numb that people think their symptoms they're dealing with, they think it's normal and they're so used to it that when you get healthy or when you start making some positive changes and you go back to your old ways, it's like, you're so aware of it because it's like, you were so used to being sick and unhealthy. You got a little healthy and then you went back like, Whoa, I, I noticed that I'm not numb anymore. I don't want to be there. And, and that's the thing, you know, people are dealing with a lot of symptoms, but I have a completely different paradigm or understanding and belief and premise on symptoms, right? I, I, I think symptoms are great. Like, thank God you have symptoms. And the reason I say that it's not fun to deal with symptoms and they're uncomfortable. And when I say symptoms, I mean, uh, digestive issues you mentioned earlier. I, I mean, cancer, diabetes, insulin resistance. I mean, there's thousands. But the reason I say they're great is because that is your innate intelligence's check engine light. It's showing you the body is out of homeostasis. You put some interference somewhere or interferences, and it's showing you something is wrong. Thank God. Let's work on that interference and remove it instead of putting a Band-Aid or covering up the check engine light. So thank God we have a mechanism in the human body to alert us that something is wrong. And that's exactly what separates what we do, Zico, in our space and what we do in holistic health versus uh, conventional medicine, because conventional medicine will see your symptoms and write you a prescription or recommend a surgery or some sort of fad diet and cover up the symptom versus saying, well, that's interesting. Let's figure out what is causing that symptom instead of just masking and putting a Band-Aid over the symptom. You're right. And I'm glad you brought up conventional medicine. I We need doctors. I love doctors. You both know this, but not for everyday maintenance, right? But this is what's interesting. I had somebody in my family, in my family recently have a heart attack. We talked about this, Ben. I won't mm -hmm. say who it was. And he's been through his specialists, doctors, nurses, his primary care physician. They, under, they know why the heart attack happened, but not the underlying reason. He's like, okay, why did this happen? If this is the reason I had a heart attack, why did this happen? And Still, weeks later, nobody can tell him. And that scares the crap out of me, right? That this is what they do and they can't tell you. And part of his mind is they have me on five different medications. It could be some reaction to something at this point that we don't even know. Yeah. And either they're afraid to tell me or they just can't figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you brought that up. Now, now we're going to talk about being optimal, like moving to that next level. So we're going to talk about what? Biohacking, because that's really what we do is biohacking. And I'm always interested because anytime I ask somebody this question, I get a different type of answer, right? So what's your definition of biohacking? Mm. My definition of biohacking is uh, just a, a shortcut to health success. Um, anything you can do to get faster results with your health 
and longevity is my definition of, of biohacking. And that could be, you know, physical health, spiritual health, mental health, um, nutrition wise, but anyway, any method to biohack, speed up your results would be my definition. I love it. I love it. That's, that's what, that's one of my favorite ones. That's one of my favorite ones. Awesome. I, I I stick to David Asprey's um, definition, which is basically changing an internal and external environment to optimize your health. That's kind of what I stick to. And that's well, exactly well, he, what you're saying. Yeah. And he's the father of biohacking. So he has to have the best definition. <laughs> I love that <laughs> definition. <laughs> if it wouldn't, we'll change his title. Now <laughs> let's talk about keto lifestyle. I've, I cycle ketosis. I'm sure you cycle ketosis. And yeah. a lot of people are so confused about ketosis. They're like, when it first came out, it was, I need to do keto to lose a hundred pounds. And then they'll lose a hundred pounds and then they'll gain 50 of it back. And they're like, oh my God, keto is crap. Right. Because people don't, it's not a keto is crap. You don't understand what keep being in ketosis or, or the keto lifestyle actually is not keto diet. So yeah. what's your definition of the keto lifestyle? Yeah, I love that you separated keto diet versus keto lifestyle because you're right. Keto is not a diet. It is a metabolic process. That is my definition of keto. Keto is a metabolic process and it's completely normal. It's our natural state. And there's nothing new about keto. Uh, it just might be nuanced or new to many, many people. But the fact of the matter is this. We wouldn't exist today in the year that we live in, 2022, if we did not have the ability to tap into ketosis, what do I mean? How, how, how does that make sense? Well, every single one of our ancestors did keto. It's an ancient healing strategy, nothing new about it. And when our ancestors didn't have food available to them, and that happened all the time, what happened? They burned through their sugar reserves, as you know, um, your stored glycogen stores in your liver and muscle cells, which is, are these reserves. And what happens when you burn through that? Well, you have to have another fuel source. So your body starts mobilizing body fat, which is the stored energy on your body. And it starts using fatty acids for energy. And those fatty acids are then shuttled to your liver. Your liver receives them and starts oxidizing or burning or using those fatty acids. And then ketones are produced. This is called ketogenesis. One of those ketones, one of those three ketone bodies is called beta-hydroxybutyrate. And that's the one that actually crosses the blood-brain barrier because as glucose is dropping low in the brain because there's no food, you, you would turn into an idiot and die if you didn't have ketones produced. So ketones actually save them, save their ancestors, help them uh, thrive and, and get through times of scarcity and famine. So when they caught their meal and they feasted and they flexed to adiketosis, right? That's where you know my principle comes into play, keto flexing, meaning it's great. It's our natural fat-burning state, but we don't do it forever. So there's nothing new about it. And one more example on keto is that we're born into this world in ketosis. Most people don't understand that. Babies that are breastfed are actually in ketosis because breast milk has saturated fat and cholesterol, which actually helps the baby produce ketones and helps with the development of that baby's brain because the brain is mostly fat and the brain loves fat. And here's the argument. People say, yeah, but there's sugar in breast milk. How is that even possible? You're right. There's sugar in breast milk, but that baby is using that sugar so efficiently that it's going in and out of ketosis. So it is our natural fat burning state. Uh, it's a metabolic process. But to your point, Zico, a lot of people 
come to it as like a quick weight loss fad. They do dirty keto and they might lose some weight, but they gain it back or they might lose weight and actually increase inflammation. So you got to make sure, you know, you structure it the right way, which we'll talk about. Definitely. Cause we're going to talk about metabolic flexibility, right? Yeah. So, because that's that I know I listen to your podcast. I've heard you talk about metabolic flexibility. And when I was first introduced to you and I was like, man, this he, he's really hard nosed keto. So I was interested to see if you were like, okay, being ketosis the rest of your life, carnivore diet, or you were going to lead into metabolic flexibility. And I was like, thank God. And I heard you talk about metabolic flexibility. I'm like, this is my man right here. This is my man right here. Now, and so before we get into that, though, because I want to kind of still talk about um, keto, let's talk about the benefits for a mitochondria, because you already talked about that already. So what are some of the benefits of being in ketosis for a mitochondria? Yeah. So anybody who studies health, we'll soon find out that the name of the game for health and longevity and fat loss and just feeling damn good is the mitochondria. How do you support the mitochondria? Because every symptom and every disease out there is linked to poor functioning mitochondria. So let's go, you know, for your audience, we'll, we'll start with like beginner and then I'll go to advanced, right? Just, just in case we have both. So back to our biology class, you probably learned or you're learning right now that the mitochondria are the energy factories of the powerhouse of your cells, right? There's the, these energy factories. And that's true. The, these mitochondria are within your cells and they produce energy. They produce something called ATP, adenosine triphosphate. So think of the mitochondria as these factories and think of ATP as these energy currencies that the factory is pumping out. And when your cells are and mitochondria are healthy, you're pumping out energy, you have energy, you feel good, you're burning fat. But here's the thing. A lot of people have mitochondrial dysfunction. And a big part of that is because they are out of ketosis for too long. When you're just burning sugar and burning sugar and you're not burning fat, and burning ketones, then it really damages the mitochondria because it creates a lot of free radicals. But when you're in ketosis, we have seen through research that ketones are actually communicators. They're sick. They are signaling molecules that when they're floating around your body and your bloodstream, they're actually communicating with your mitochondria to make more mitochondria, mitogenesis it's called. So when you look at the electron transport chain, which is how your body produces energy, one molecule of glucose gets you about 32 to 36 of these ATP molecules. So remember, that's energy. One molecule of ketones gets you 120 plus ATP molecules, 400% more energy. That's why people feel so good, especially the brain, which has the most mitochondria, just feeds that brain. That's one aspect, but also it's the anti-inflammation aspect, because when you are in ketosis and when those ketones are creating more mitochondria, they're also uncoupling the mitochondria, meaning the mitochondria have these release valves, if you will, that when you're in ketosis, it kind of opens up these valves and gets rid of excess free radicals. So you have a situation here that sounds amazing. You're producing more energy and you are uh, lowering inflammation at the same time. That's why there's so many studies out there that show the ketogenic diet, they call it ketogenic diet, extends lifespan in, in mice and in, in rats and in, in this animal. But also, there's also a ton of studies on humans on what it does for certain conditions. So, you know, that's the name of the game. You, If you want to support the mitochondria, one of the best ways is to be in ketosis or to at least be like a cyclical type of ketosis. I love it. And you're right. And it, going back to what we're talking about, the ancestral peace, right? There are times of famine and, and there's times of plenty. We in this land 
lives in live in times of plenty. Something uh, someone I was talking about, we said uh, that when you eat a lot of sugars and carbs, your body runs on that consistently and your body stores the excess, saving up for a winter that apparently never comes. Yeah. Right. So we got to think about winning to a body. Rob Wolf, I'm sure you're familiar with his work. Everybody yeah, in yeah. our space is familiar with Rob Wolf. And he talks about the mitochondria and the different pathways of the mitochondria. And he says something that I'll never forget that um, fats are metabolized through mitochondria pathway too, which is a lower inflammation, lower inflammation, um, it's a lower oxidative stress pathways versus carbs and sugars are, process- are metabolized through other pathways that create more inflammation. They're talking about um, free radicals, right? Yep. So that's why being in cyclical ketosis is important. Now, my next, my fault to this, because I want to talk about metabolic flexibility and also cyclical ketosis, because somebody listen to this and say, but that means that I should just I should just be in ketosis, or should I not be in ketosis? So how how do you how do you define cyclical ketosis and connect that to the benefits and let's say being metabolically flexible? Well, I mean, the opposite of metabolic flexibility is, of course, metabolic inflexibility, and and most people are metabolically inflexible. There was a study that came out in 2018 from the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. 8,000 plus people in the study, humans, they looked at, it was a several year study, they looked at different metrics uh, from the adult population to American population to determine, okay, how healthy or how unhealthy is the American adult population? So they looked at uh, blood pressure, medication, glucose, they looked at BMI, although I'm not, you know, BMI could be hit or miss, but they looked at a whole bunch of metrics. And here's what they found. They concluded back in 2018 that only 12% of the American adult population is metabolically healthy, okay? I'm going to say this a different way. 88% of American adults are metabolically unhealthy. And Zico, this is before COVID. You know, man, man, it got worse after COVID. So they're inflexible. They are sugar burners. How do you know you're a sugar burner? Here are some easy ways to know. You eat high carbs for breakfast. You're snacking in between your meals. If you miss a meal, God forbid, you get hangry, you're irritable, you have extra weight around your belly. These are all signs of a broken metabolism, an inflexible metabolism. So we want to make that metabolism flexible, meaning the ability to burn sugar and burn fat and burn sugar and burn fat without a hiccup, feeling damn good. So in the beginning, if you're one of those people who are metabolically challenged, I like that better than damaged because no human being is damaged. So challenged. Uh, we need to get you in ketosis. And and I would, you know, that study that showed 88% of American adults are unhealthy, I would say 88% of American adults need keto. That would be the way I would write the study. So three months, right? Three months of in of being in ketosis. And at that point, after the three months, and this is the way that I have my four pillars set up in my Keto Camp Academy. It's, you know, leads you up to the flex part, which is the fourth pillar, but it takes three months to get there. But here's the deal. After three months of being in ketosis, then you assess, do you still have insulin resistance? Do you still have type 2 diabetes? Do you still have a lot of metabolic challenges going on? If the answer is yes, then you stick with it a little bit longer just because we're still working on that metabolism. But if you reach that point and there's no insulin resistance, you're not type 2 diabetic, you know, you've cleaned up a lot of things, then you start flexing. You start flexing and we could talk about how that works. But that's what I mean uh, about metabolic inflexibility. Those people are just burning sugar. We want to switch them to ketosis, leave them there for a few months, and then go in and out of ketosis. 
Now, my follow up question, and that wouldn't be me. It has to be the. Oh, by the way, I am damaged. By the way, so you know, I might. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different conversation for a different day. But, but, but seriously, being the devil's advocate here, so I hear you say that, but I'm like, why not just be in ketosis the rest of my life? Do, do I need to be metabolically flexible? Yes, uh, because, and this is you know, this is where I'm very different in the keto space. Although, like everybody knows me in the keto space, my message is very different than people in the keto space. You got to keep in mind that ketosis is a survival mechanism. It's not. It's it's not meant for to be permanent. It's a, it's a temporary state. It's a, it's a survival mechanism. So I mentioned that process of the mitochondrial uncoupling, where we we spoke about the influence, the free radicals being released. That's great, but too much of that actually could be problematic for the mitochondria in your cell. So. What we're talking about here is essentially hormesis, right? The, staying in the hormetic zone. And for those who don't know what hormesis means, it's the principle of stress. Uh, a little bit of stress, your body adapts to that stress and it gets stronger, right? Exercise is the perfect example of hormesis. If you just start working out and you go at the right pace and you recover and sleep, you get stronger. But if you do too much in that workout, you could actually hurt yourself. Ketosis and also fasting, which we could talk about later if you want. Uh, ketosis is also a, a, a hormetic stressor, but it's a positive stressor. It forces your body to adapt. It, it upregulates up glutathione in the cells and you have all these amazing things. But then that hormetic curve, meaning the benefits are, are happening, stick with it too long. And then that curve drops, meaning your results go away. Uh, and there's research, right? Another example of why you don't want to stay in ketosis long-term, especially women, is that women who have a menstrual cycle is because the week before your period is the week where you actually want to build hormones like progesterone. That's really important for your monthly cycle. And guess what? You don't build progesterone being in ketosis. You don't build progesterone with fasting. You build progesterone with feasting healthy carbs. So that's just one example of why women who have a menstrual cycle should actually flex out that week before their period. And there's other things I could get into, but those are a couple of examples why we want to flex. And we'll leave some of the secrets to when they get into your camp and you know, work <laughs> with you, right? They're like, Ben, my savior finally understands what's going on. But I said, I love it, man. I said, when I was first introduced to you, I was like, okay, I hope he's not going to tell me I should be in ketosis every day for the rest of my life because then we just can't be friends. At yeah, that yeah, totally. Most people think that I'm going to say that, that I will, I will say that, but I, I'm not, I don't. Right. And I agree with you. And something that I tend to bring up because I saw a video the other day and this I don't know if you watch Family Guy, but Peter says- I used to, yeah. Peter has his show and he's like, this grinds my gears. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that video grinds my gears because they should, they no, Dr. Stephen Gundry has this new book on ketosis and he's talking about metabolic flexibility and cycling keto and so on and so forth. Excellent book. I absolutely love it, yeah. right? And he, he the, someone took a video from him then he was talking about being in long-term ketosis and put it in this chat on Facebook. And they 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 started showing other 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 comments and added something to it about yeah if you're in keto this is gonna happen and your body's gonna downregulate these enzymes so on so on and they completely took what he said out of context and that mm -hmm. grinds my gears because that annoys me because they're then looking at it as either keto is good yeah, or either yeah. keto is bad and they're like don't do keto do this because look Dr Stephen Gundry says this well that's a five second clip right. versus his entire book right so then um you know I meant I commented in the group because that annoyed me. And I mentioned about cyclical ketosis. I mentioned um, the metabolic flexible and what could happen because you're right. The body is very intelligent. 
And just to quickly add on to what you're saying, when you your body uses different enzymes to break down fats, carbs, and protein, right? The body is efficient. And if you feed it sugars or most of your life and carbs, it's going to downregulate a lot of the enzymes to break down fat. And it's going to upregulate for to break down carbs, right? So then what happens? Your body's like, okay, you're not feeding me fat. So when you eat fat, your body struggles to properly break it down, into weight gain, health issues, so on and so forth. Now, it's for most humans, it is a harder process to gain the ability to burn fat, to gain those enzymes, break down fat, and going the other way. So when you move, you move into a high fat, low carb diet and a keto diet, eventually you create most more of those fat burning enzymes. And you've been great. You're creating that balance. But the issue is if you stay in ketosis forever and a day, then what happens? You start to downregulate those enzymes to break down carbs. And that's when you start to go what you call your regular diet. And then you start gaining the weight back, right? Especially in the beginning. So that's why I work with an expert like Ben, who, who truly understands keto better than myself. And he's one of the few people I would say that actually does. He's absolutely fantastic. Joining the keto camp. You can really learn from this man and make some great metabolic changes. So thank you so much for that, Ben. Yeah, no, thank you, brother. And, and you're right. You know, the way that you explained that is was so really well done because what you explained is, I explained before metabolic inflexibility in regards to only burning sugar and not burning fat. But the, there's also that other form of metabolic inflexibility where you're only burning fat and you forget to burn sugar and you downregulate all those enzymes. And so there's two types. I mean, most people are going to be on the inflexible side of sugar burning, but people that are dogmatic about keto, I would say if they've been in ketosis for years, they still they have some form of metabolic inflexibility now too because they forgot to burn carbs. So we should always focus on metabolic flexibility and metabolic freedom. And always make sure we're choosing health over dogma. I've been guilty of being very dogmatic about the vegan diet back in 2012. And even about keto in 2013, I was dogmatic in the beginning. But anytime you become dogmatic, you're just setting yourself up for some problems. So really become aware of that. So you made a good point there. Thank you, my friend. And with that being said, we're coming up on the hack of the episode, everyone, right? But before we get into the hack of the episode... I have a gift for you, fam. I want to talk to you about the Amino Co. See, their products are 100% science-backed, built on amino acid technology, first funded by NASA, and further refined through rigorous research and independent clinical trials. They have determined this precise blend of amino acids to help you become stronger, heal faster, reduce age-related declines, and improve your overall metabolic health. So what am I going to talk to you today? Well, one of my favorites, Perform, of course. It's an essential amino acid-based formulation designed to improve muscular performance during exercise, enhance mental clarity, and I need some mental health, let me tell you, and concentration, reduce fatigue and dehydration, and minimize recovery time. So all those athletes out there, check it out. It is designed to boost athletic performance by increasing peak physical strength and and endurance while also improving focus and concentration. The ingredients in PERFORM have been clinically proven to improve strength, physical performance, and check out these trials. 20% increase in exercise completed, 22% increase in endurance, 
11% increase in peak power during exercise, and 10% improvement in cognitive function during exercise. I absolutely love, love their products. I use them every single day during training, post-training for performance, and for recovery. I always stress my favorite flavors are the all-natural flavors. Those are the best ones, and those are ones I recommend more than any for anyone else. But let me tell you, their formulation is absolutely brilliant. So, of course, go to ZikaHealth.com. I'm sorry, just go to Aminoco slash ZikaHealth. So, Aminoco.com slash ZikaHealth and use code ZikaHealth to get 30% off. Sorry for the little um, tongue twist there. But, of course, the link will be in the show notes and in the description of the episode. And with that being said, let's get back to my man, Ben Azadi, and let's get to the hack of the episode. So we're going to talk about fasting and ketosis, right? So how can fasting help us get into and maintain ketosis? You know, fasting and ketosis, they go hand in hand. They both do a really good job at lowering inflammation, lowering insulin, which is that bully of the block hormone. And there's there's several ways to get into ketosis. You could eat a high fat, very low carbohydrate diet. Um, That's one way. Or you could actually practice fasting. I mean, the name of the game, keto is not about necessarily about eating a whole bunch of fat. It's not, it doesn't have to be high fat. It just needs to be low carb. So how do you do that? You could achieve that with, of course, intermittent fasting and having a, a protein-focused macronutrient. But they go hand in hand. Um, but here's the way that I think most people should, you know, the way I teach in the academy, I should say. I've taken thousands of students through these protocols uh, sure, you could start off with fasting in the beginning and to get into ketosis, but there's going to be some challenges with that. I much prefer to do 14, 21 days of a keto. We're going to call it a ketogenic diet because it's short term in this in this thing. Uh, a 14 to 21 day approach of high fat, low carb, and a gradual decrease in carbs to really get your body familiar, like you said, Zico, uh, familiar with uh, utilizing bile and all these enzymes to break down fat. Then we pair that with intermittent fasting and we started to build up that fasting muscle. So that's the way I do it. Now you could be somebody who's just like, dude, I just want to fast and I want to get into ketosis. I don't care. You know, I'm I'm like all or nothing sort of guy or gal. Then yeah, you could do it, but it might suck because you know, fasting is a muscle and you got to train for it. And one of the best ways to train for it is to teach your body to have that metabolic flexibility to burn fat. Because if you are a sugar burner and you say, I'm going to do a 24 hour fast tomorrow without preparing for it. Good luck because it's going to feel ugly. Uh, You're going to lose electrolytes. You're going to have a headache. You're going to get hangry. Uh, It's going to look ugly. If you're going to run a marathon, you train for it. Same thing with the fast. So I think they're great, but doing it the right way is very important. I agree. And let's talk about the right way for a little bit. I think we're going to geek out here because fasting is one of my babies. I have many shows that I've talked about it. I've written about it. I've talked about it till I'm blue in the face, right? Yeah. Because It's just like keto. A lot of people think, oh, let's fast. So tomorrow I'm not because I'm just not going to eat. Never fasted in my life. Right. But somehow I feel like if I just don't eat tomorrow. I'm going to be healthy. Right. <laughs> so for someone who's never fasted before, what would what does a gradual approach, generally speaking, would look like? So I would recommend doing keto for 21 days. And then once you've done that, or, or let's say 14 days, let's make it a little bit quicker right. for you. So 14 days keto, um, which is high fat, low carb. And then how do you start fasting? You know, 12 hour fast, easy. You're probably doing it already, meaning you're done eating at 7 p.m. Like your last bite of food was right at 7 p.m. You go to bed, you wake up at, um, you wake up and then you wait until 7 a.m. for your first bite of food. 
that's 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. That's a 12-hour fast. If you accomplish that and you feel good, like, damn, I could do this every day, then you could bump that up to a 13-hour fast. And there's a couple ways to do that here with this example. You could either take that dinner from 7 p.m. to 6 p.m. and leave the breakfast at 7 a.m., or you could leave the dinner at 7 p.m. and take the breakfast up an hour. Either way, it works. But the goal would be to extend that to 13-hour fast for a couple of days, you feel good. 14-hour fast, a couple of days, you feel good. And then find a good sweet spot for you. I've seen for most people on like a day-to-day basis, and I'm curious to hear you know what works for you, uh, like an 18-6 schedule would work well for a lot of people. So this is a six-hour eating window. You get all your macronutrients, your protein, your calories within a six-hour window. And then you have an 18-hour fasting window. And you could customize that according to whatever is better for your schedule. But I'll tell you this, and I don't like what I'm about to share because um, it doesn't work for my schedule. Uh, a lot of research has come up, come out over the years that shows actually skipping dinner and having breakfast is more beneficial in terms of autophagy and CERT1 and fat loss and insulin sensitivity versus skipping breakfast and having dinner. Now me, and I want to hear your thoughts, what you do, I prefer to skip breakfast and crush my day and be fasted and have lunch and dinner, but these studies are very convincing. So I've been mixing things up, but if you're going to do it optimally, you want to have breakfast and lunch finish eating by like 3 p.m. and then skip dinner and go to breakfast the next day. What do you do, Zico? So I've seen, I've actually seen that study and I thought that was interesting because it doesn't work well for my schedule. You know, as biohackers, <laughs> we try to do whatever we think is best, right? And I'm like, man, how am I going to incorporate this into my life? Like yeah, that does, yeah. doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for my schedule. So I am a skipping breakfast kind of person. I mean, technically breakfast is your first meal a day whenever you break your fast, but right, you know what we're point. talking about. Yep. Right. So that could be 12 o'clock. Now, for me, I have a couple of things I do with my fasting. I have my my uh, my intermittent fasting daily. Right. So I usually have uh, like a 14, 10. So I have at least 14 hours of fasting and then a 10 hour eating window. That's what works best for me. Now, I could fast longer, but that's what my body likes at this yeah. point. Now, every week I have a Wednesday to Thursday dinner to dinner fast. So once awesome. I eat dinner Wednesday, I don't eat again till Thursday. And that's to get push my body, give my body even more, even more autophagy and reduce some inflammation and some stress, oxidative stress that wouldn't have been done as much on those shorter fasting windows. And also that's my rest day from training. So everything kind of works out. Still Smart. get my 12,000 steps and all that stuff in. Right. But though that's what really works pretty well for me. And I have a follow up for you because I've. I've often come across, and I have my opinions on this, but I'm that you were the expert, really explain it. Because I've come across a lot of people who fast for too long, males versus females, they hear, this window is good, that window is good, such and such. Do you ever come across where for males versus females, especially in the beginning of fasting, one can tend to be able to fast longer or shorter than the other? Yeah, men, men typically could be more aggressive um and they could they could they could start off with long like longer fast like an 18 hour window of fasting versus women women tend to do better with a gr- more of a gradual approach and that makes sense because men have men's hormones are 24 hour period they're recycling 24 hour period they're recycling women depending if they're menstruating or not if they're menstruating, they have a 28 day pattern. If they're postmenopausal, it's similar, more similar to men. So I would say this men and postmenopausal women could be more aggressive because they have a 24 hour recycling pattern of hormones. Cycling women need to take a slower approach and kind of do it according to their 28 day pattern. Uh, I've also seen women do better 
with breakfast and lunch skipping dinner and men doing better with lunch and dinner skipping breakfast, which makes sense because I'm like you, I like to skip breakfast. So uh, just, you know, there's no research to back that up there. Just what I've seen with my group, uh, women do need to go a little bit slower. And you've seen, you've seen that with like men and women, a husband and a wife, you do the same program. You know, men are always getting results faster. You can push them more because we have, you know, same hormones, but different amounts and different fluctuations. So that's, that's the thing. So it depends on if we're talking about postmenopausal women versus cycling women versus men, all those need to be considered. Again, another reason why it's important to not just go out there and read a book and say, oh, I know what I'm doing, but actually <laughs> work with an expert. Only the thing I have to add to that is because so some people, it doesn't click. And I know that because I talked to one of my friends today and she was like, now you explain it that way. It makes sense. The hours that you sleep, can't, unless you're eating you know, KFC while you're sleeping for some reason. Don't do that, please. <laughs> I know, right? Don't even do that when you're awake. But <laughs> Seriously. it's... Uh, it adds to your fasting window, right? Yeah, so you're right. Thinking yeah. about it. People miss that. If you sleep seven hours or seven and a half or whatever, then you're doing 12 hours. If say you stop eating around three hours before you go to bed, you'll got two hours and you wake up the next yeah. day. You yeah. know, like, and then you can just slowly kind of play with those numbers and see how it works. I mean, most of us, we need to stop eating a few hours before bed anyway. Yeah. And then you add your sleeping time to it. And then you just wait a few hours the next day and boom, there you go. And then she was like, I'm fasting. I didn't even know. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, there that's you go. Funny. That's that's a really great way to explain it. You're right. A lot of people, when you explain it that way, they're like, oh, crap, I, I do practice intermittent fasting. And I get that question so much on, on my uh, primarily like my TikTok videos. Does your sleeping window count towards your fasting window? I'm like, yes, use it. <laughs> Most people don't realize that. So it's a good way to make people feel at ease and let them know that it's a lot easier than what you think. And you're probably doing it already, like in the case of this person you mentioned. Definitely. This is going to... This is one of my top episodes, everyone. Absolutely love it. This guy's awesome. He, I'm going to be on his show. I'm going to bring him back on. We're going to do some collabs on um, on Instagram. This this is my guy right here. He's absolutely <laughs> you, fantastic. And uh, with that being said, I don't want this episode to go on until tomorrow. So let my audience know more about how they can get in touch with you if they need to work with an expert like yourself. Yeah. Thank you, Zico. You're awesome too. I can't wait to interview you tomorrow, less than 24 hours. We, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't say thank you to Ray who connected us. Uh, beautiful Ray. Thank you so much for connecting us together. Vitamin G for you, which is gratitude. Um, you could learn more about me over at benazadi.com, which is my website. Uh, we have the Keto Camp podcast. I have my book, Keto Flex, but everything's on that website. So just go to benazadi.com. And you could find everything that I have to offer. And I hope this uh, really hope this resonated with your audience. And I, I really hope we made a big difference for your audience today. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, man. It definitely does. I said, we're going to do some work. To, it's very rare that I find someone I'm like, this guy is brilliant or this woman is brilliant. Cause there are some brilliant women out there too. Everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and you're, you're, you're my team, buddy. You're on my team. Like it Thank or not, you, brother. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Zico. Anytime, my friend. And with that being said, I'm logging off for the day and uh, enjoy the rest of your day, fam. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.